Welcome to the Sports Marketing Huddle, a podcast that looks at all things marketing in the world of sports. I'm your host, Rob Cressy, founder of Bacon Sports. And joining me today is Carson Goodale, CEO and co-founder of FanFood, a mobile ordering platform that allows fans to order concessions from their phone and have it ready for express pickup or delivered to their seat. Carson, super excited to have you on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Rob. How are you? I'm doing amazing. And what I want to dish about with you on this episode is what it's like to start a company and give an inside look into the process. And you and I actually met well over a year ago at mm. WeWork on Kinsey. Uh, as happens often, we had a conversation. Uh, I dug what you were building. And then a year later, you reached back out being like, hey, we've got some more traction. Let's continue the conversation. And I always love having conversations with like-minded people and really wanted to start that as sort of the the basis of this. So let's talk about the origin of fan food in how did it start or why did you start it? Um, yeah, well, I think it was interesting at the, the Kinsey you brought about uh, when, when we met for the first time. It was funny because I remember you talking about sports marketing and sponsorships and fan experience. And I, I remember like walking by and I'm like, is he talking about like all of the relevant things that like I'm interested in or working on? And I'm like, is this like, what is this? And so I remember you were on the phone and talking or doing another podcast or something. And I was like, just, I remember I just laid my business card down and I'm like, call me, you know, I like, and then it's super cool because then we connected after and then uh, here we are today. So I actually remember that exact moment because at the time I was talking to a guy named Gil Nevo who would later become my branding coach. <laughs> and it was the beginning of our relationship. And I actually met him via the WeWork uh, portal that they had there. Mm -hmm. And I was chopping it up and, and it was super relevant because you coming up and giving your card to me validified so much because just hearing the conversation that I was having and I was having a conversation about all of these things and I'm like, how in the world do I find more people yeah. that do this? And I was like, dude, you won't believe this. As I'm Qualified lead. Qualified lead. <laughs> just laid a card down. Just like this. And uh, as we said, it took a year to sort of mature this relationship, but mm -hmm. I'm also a big believer in the building of relationships and everything doesn't always happen immediately. So let's get back to the mm -hmm. very beginning of this. So where were you at in that one year ago period? And then let's take it to where we are now. One year ago period. Yeah. Uh, so I had been in Chicago uh, for about a year, one year ago, it's been two years now. And we were, we had a working product. We were raising money from angel investors to invest in our technology. We had some early um, customers that were using it. Um, fans were enjoying it. So, you know, we had a little bit, some would argue, uh, proof of concept. Um, and so that's where we were at a year ago. And then, um, you know, we kept uh, listening and learning from both fans and from the stadium operators that are working the, the concession back end. And, um, you know, got to a point where we were introduced to uh, our newest investor. So we just secured um, our first institutional round of funding um, led by Phoenix Sports Partners. And, um, you know, and now it's time to, you know, 
start to grow it up. So in terms of the funding side of things, how much of your time or attention had to be dedicated to it? Because oftentimes in entrepreneurship, you hear funding thrown around so often. And I don't believe that people realize the amount of effort that goes into actually making that happen. It's, 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 it's sales. It's for sure sales. It's and it's full-time job. Um, fundraising is a, a ton of effort. It's a ton of grunt work. It's a lot of coffee dates. Um, it's a lot of, um, stuff that you kind of, you know, cause you're, you're passionate about like what you're building. Right. And so, you know, it's a, it's a necessary evil, so to speak. So it's, 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 it's frustrating at times. And, um, but I, you know, once you, once you, uh, get the partners and once you uh, meet your goal, then, um, obviously you're super rewarding so take me to when it is frustrating because at times I have to imagine it's like will this ever happen oh my god you're chasing this thing and you don't know if it's going to happen so yeah how did you continue to push through because I have to imagine all of this was new for you you're learning on the job yeah well it was nice because I had uh, money saved up so when I graduated college I went on um active duty. So I, I commissioned in through ROTC as an army officer and was debating whether or not I was going to go active duty or pursue this startup. Um, and so when you commission as an officer, you have to go learn how to do your job. So I was stationed in Fort Jackson for four or five months. And, um, it was while I was there, we launched our app for the first time at my partner's high school. Um, my mentor of mine at the time says, well, if you're serious about it, um, you got to go full time and you don't want to look back in five or 10 years and ask yourself what if. And so that combined with, you know, some positive feedback from fans decided to go full time. So that money I earned was became the savings that I used and spread very thinly for the first, you know, year and a half while I was in Chicago. So it's definitely like, uh, I don't know, like, daunting to have the financial concerns and stress looming in the back of your mind all the time but at the same time there's like a bigger picture and like my perspective was like even if and like it was funny I like tell myself this all the time like even if there was like a one percent chance like why not take that you know like you have the opportunity we've gotten this far now I just 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 keep going you know, and then literally it was like a weekly thing, like just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. Um, and like, I don't know, just, we were just persistent, right? And that's how we... What did you do to try and block out the financial side of things? So when you're bootstrapped and you're running super lean there, it's very easy, especially if everything's not accelerating at the rate that you want. And mm -hmm. once again, a lot of this is going to be how you handle adversity, what your mindset is for dealing with this. And everything that you just said is very relatable to me because mm -hmm. it's the exact same reason why I started making sports. I said, I would regret it for the rest of my life yeah. if I didn't give it a shot at making my dreams happen. And there's no way I wanted to go through the rest of my life wondering, man, I wonder if I could have yeah. done this. Like that's no way to live whatsoever. Right. And you're more purpose driven. And for me, I knew you can deal with being lean in difficult times, especially financially, when you know your why, you know what you're working towards mm -hmm. because you're more purpose driven. It's 
it's literally why I am the way I am from a personal mm-hmm. development standpoint. Because when you go all in and you burn the boats mm-hmm. and there's no turning back, you will do everything humanly possible, including learning how to train your mind to not worry about adversity and mm-hmm. things that you can't control, even though it's completely natural to be like, oh my God, I feel this anxiety on a daily basis. <laughs> Literally. It's funny. Now, um, some of the some of my like early employees, they, they joke around it, but there's probably some truth to it. Uh, they call me chief anxiety officer. So um, I don't know. It's kind of maybe maybe I'm just an anxious person, but I don't know. It's, <laughs> no, uh, it's, it's uh, par for the course. And here's yeah. the thing. We signed up for this. Yeah, exactly. So all of this self-induced pain and anxiety, yeah. it's like that's almost what's helped me through this. It's like I know this is what's going on. But I signed up for it and this is par for the course and what I'm going through, every entrepreneur goes through Mm -hmm. and when you decide to take that leap, it's not going to be easy and you have to know that going into it even though you have no idea what you're about to experience. I mean, yeah, totally. Hit the nail on the head, right? So you know know where you want to go, but you're never like completely like satisfied here in the moment like you know like what the product and what the vision and what the future and everything and that's what you're working toward every day and i think that's what you know partially motivates or why you know entrepreneurs are wired the way that they are um and why they're anxious is because it's just they're not um it's probably a good thing they're they don't get complacent because they they have that internal passion that that drive that keeps them going Right. Yeah, there's this term that uh, my mentor Ed Milet taught me called blissful dissatisfaction, mm. where everything can be great, but you still want more. Mm-hmm. So it's the not resting on your laurels, where you're not focusing on the negative, mm-hmm. but you're like, I'm blissfully dissatisfied. I'm cool. I love that. But you yeah. know what? I'm going to keep on plowing, mm-hmm. and the greatest entrepreneurs are always going to be blissfully dissatisfied because it's a never ending journey. Yeah. I love that. There's no, absolutely. There's no mountaintop that we're climbing and really a big change for my mindset was when I heard that success isn't climbing the top of the mountain. Success is actually the day by day journey of being able to do this. Because if you think about why we did this in the first place, it's because you said, I don't want to regret mm-hmm. not ever doing this. Mm-hmm. So when we're doing this, you've got to enjoy the process. Even if there's nothing but monsters around you. <laughs> to- totally. I'll, I'll say though, you often have to remind yourself, right? Like success is enjoying the journey. Well, there's definitely some bumps along the way where you have to like, you know, find that internal motivation that like to keep you going. So So how did you find your internal motivation? (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, it's a good support system for sure. When I first moved out to uh, Chicago, partially uh, of the reason why is there's a nonprofit that's headquartered here called Bunker Labs. Bunker Labs is a nonprofit that helps um, and support military veterans, veterans that are getting out of the military who have an idea that want to start a business but don't know how. Um, I don't know some of the um, exact statistics. Don't fact check me or maybe, yeah, fact check me on this. (laughs) Definitely fact check me. They said like half of uh, um, veterans that got out of like World War II tried starting their own business. Today, they say, um, I think it was like one 
one fourth or one out of every five uh, veterans have an idea that want to start their own business, but there's only like three or four percent actually do. That's like a very small. Um, so they have the, you know, they have the right soft skills, I would say, right? They know how to plan, they know how to communicate, they're, um, you know, mentally, physically, you know, trained and everything, but they just don't have the, the knowledge to do it. So Bunker Labs provided me with a lot of the resources, mentorship. They had a, uh, an accelerator that I got a part of. They let me, um, they had an office space set up in 1871. So I got some free office space to work downtown. Like how motivating is that? You know, for me, I can definitely not afford, you know, an, an office right when I moved out to Chicago. So that was awesome to, you know, work in an environment with other like-minded entrepreneurs. So, um, definitely a support system to, to keep you going and because uh, you don't want to let those people down but at the same time you have other people like I think uh, early on I couldn't tell you how many people like VCs and angel investors you know every every different reason in the book as to why they did not want to invest and every time I got a no that just it was another check mark of person to prove wrong so I think that's what also internally mo motivates me because um there's a lot more people who don't believe that you're capable of doing something. And it's just that also like really just adds fuel to, to my fire. So, yeah. And for me on the flip side, I actually get a lot of fuel from the people who have helped me in mm -hmm. wanting to prove them right. Mm -hmm. So if they've, if they've invested their time with me to teach me or to help me on this journey mm -hmm. or for them to believe in me, cause you hear that people are like, I love what you're doing. Keep going. And sometimes even just hearing that once you're like, man, I feel so good. And even if that can carry you for an hour or a day or a week, it's a series of hearing those things that gets your momentum going. And obviously we're accountable to ourselves and our family and, and the people we work with. But I also want to succeed for all of the people who believed in me that said, Rob, I know you can do this. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's uh, definitely part of the Even if you the don't motivation. have the answer, you're like, I'm glad that you believe in me. Yeah. I believe in me too, but I don't got all the answers, by the way. <laughs> right, right. No, definitely. So let's shift gears and talk about fan experience, which I think is one of the things that I like about what you're building with fan food is at the core of it, it is making the fan experience better. And the big light bulb moment for me that I really liked about what you told me is that when somebody has to get up and order food, they miss the game. Mm -hmm. They miss part of the action. So in a perfect world, the fan experience can be increased by the speed in which someone can order their food, have it delivered or picked up because they're going to see more of the game. Mm -hmm. I, uh, it's funny. Uh, I was at a like investor pitch. And one guy came up to me after and he said, Carson, I, uh, I missed the Odell Beckham catch because I was stuck waiting in line for a hot dog and beer. And, you know, you think about like uh, missing the big play, but also like what impact does that have? If you're a you know, father at a, your son's high school game, you know, and your son is, you know, is benched, right? And he gets to come in uh, third quarter or going into the half, <clears throat> Prime time to get up out of your concessions, right? And go for concessions, halftime. Oh, they're going to give this, the, the guy a shot to go out. He scores a touchdown. Dad misses it. Like, you know, there's other – I think to take it a step further, 
you go back to experience. It's one thing to like miss the big play, but it's like you're missing out on like moments, right? Experiences. And that's something that resonates with, I think, many people. Um, for you, for example, I know you're a diehard sports fan. I know you've probably gone to a lot of games. Tell me an example of a time where you missed a big play. Well, I can even tell you on the simplest level because it happens all the time when I'm watching sports, period, whether it's live or on TV. Mm -hmm. Just think about people looking at their phone mm -hmm. or I'm cooking dinner. So I will have uh, like the NHL playoffs are currently going on right now. And I'm a Penguins fan. And unfortunately, it didn't work out <laughs> this year for us. But I would have the game on there. And there's instances in which. I've been like on my phone looking at Twitter and it's like, go! And you're like, man, how in the world did I not just see that there? And it is those micro moments of, I always want to be more present in everything that I do. And I think this totally. very much speaks to, you're, you're not going to a game because you want to experience what it is like to order the concessions and walk up and do all that. No, you're there to experience everything that's there mm -hmm. and it just so happens that you do have to walk to the bathroom or you do have to go and get a pretzel and you unfortunately have to miss part of it or that's also why everybody waits until halftime and then there's like a gigantic line there so mm -hmm. it's a less than optimal experience that can be solvable by you and it should be and it should be solvable and i think uh it's partially reason why we got involved with this early on was like just that the notion of like why doesn't this exist like if i'm going to a game how come i don't have the capability to order ahead or get concessions delivered to my seat and that notion is kind of the reason why we are doing what we're doing because you see so much growth going on in uh the restaurant space for online mobile ordering companies, there's a hundred of them now, you know? Um, one of our investors said the other day, there's over 10,000 mobile ordering apps in the world. And it's crazy to me. Um, so I think uh, for us, trying to carve out a little niche in an in industry and do things a little bit differently, but focusing on like the why, why we do these things. And it's not just about like, ordering food, get it delivered to your seat. It's so much more than that. It's about like delivering a better fan experience. That's, that's, the, that's the key. And it's how do we do that? And what do we need to do from a technology standpoint in order to accomplish that? And it's really interesting because we're learning a lot of things, both from fan perspectives, how do we, um, and different things or things that we've overlooked that are pretty easy to integrate that would make a like our technology, a better experience for the end user. So um, that's what we're really excited to continue to build an innovative product that does that, delivers that. So Carson, if there is someone in the audience listening right now that you would love to connect with or someone that could help be part of this journey, is there anyone that you say, hey Rob, <laughs> I'm looking for X, Y, and Z, if anybody knows anyone or uh, is interested in this. Mm -hmm. I, oh my, so I'll, I'll, this is, this is an honest, uh, honest answer or one of our biggest challenges right now, right? That's you'll, you, you'll always have challenges. There's, there's a notion in the industry that, um, sports fans don't like to download apps and 
I don't necessarily agree with that. I think uh, the mental map of downloading an app um, is is the you know most understood. It's I'm under the opinion that fans haven't had the user experience that they deserved regarding sports technology apps, um, and so you know we haven't focused on building that true experience that we haven't really fully you know allowed fans to test that so it is still a challenge getting fans to to use it the adoption and i think partially uh you know partially uh, of the reason is um there hasn't been much buy-in right so this is this is kind of a complex um, industry you have teams stadiums sometimes owned and operated from different entities. Concessions are generally contracted out to a third party. So you have who's, who's the decision maker, who's buying it, who's bought in. So I'll say when you have a team that's really bought into and enhancing that, that fan experience um, and you have a concessionaire, an operator that believes in um, a more efficient way of running concessions that has or experiences long lines and w wants to take pressure off those lines and believes, um, you know, that the future is, you know, can be less labor intensive and more fulfillment focused. When you get the teams and stadiums that are bought into that notion and are willing to put the marketing forth and really buy into what we're doing, the results will speak for themselves. And we have some early customers where that that's happening right now. And it's, and it's so exciting, but there's another component to the sports space, right? Sponsorships. So this is another component where, you know, I've been, you know, you think about this recently and the question I bring up is because sports sponsorships are such an important piece, revenue driver in the industry and in the ecosystem, does that um, actually hinder the ability for startups like mine to grow, right? Because you get these awesome opportunities where, hey, you can pay. We, we really want you, but you got to pay this sponsorship. Well, sponsorships can be pretty pricey in the sports space, too. We all know that. And for a startup, you get, you know, kind of all gloomer, gloomery-eyed all over on this uh, opportunity. Well, um, in reality, it could like sink your business. And I think uh, it makes it challenging. And then at the same time, you talk about buy-in, like authentic, genuine buy-in. It's, you know, everything's inventory. Everything's an asset. So if fan food is, you know, using something to market, that is inventory that we could have been selling to a sponsorships. And I don't think that's the right mindset, right? So it goes back to why are we doing what we're doing to provide a better fan experience? And when we're doing that and you think about it in that light, you really have that buy-in, that's where I think um, fan food's gonna be you know, the most successful. And from a sponsorship perspective, right? We are, we're on a sports marketing podcast. Fan food as a, as a brand and as a partner for existing sponsors that's also something that's really interesting to me in my opinion um, really fun partnership opportunities to get involved with 
our brand. Like, let's help each other accomplish what we both want to accomplish, something bigger and better inside these environments where, you know, make it reality. So I think, uh, yeah. So Long-winded question. So with that in answer mind, to your question. where can people connect with you in fan food? Well, if you're listening to this podcast and you listen this far into the podcast, hats off. And uh, you can reach me, my email, carson at fanfoodapp.com for those that made it this far. Um, you can always connect with us on, you know, uh, our, going to our website. There's contact forms. You can shoot us a note. Um, there, um, we can get, get you set up with a real, you know, you have a chat, real, a chat feature so we can get you connected with a real person, um, pretty quickly. So, um, but yeah, my email is probably the best way to get a hold of me. Awesome. And as always, I would love to hear from you about this episode. Did it cause you to think or take action? And you know what? I would love to hear from you. Did you ever miss a memorable moment because you were going to the concession stand or going to the bathroom or something else. You can hit me up on Instagram at Rob underscore Cressy, on Twitter at Rob Cressy, or on LinkedIn. Cressy. Cressy. That's all,